All right. Hello. Good morning. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of our PAC Politics Podcast. I am your host, Brittany McDowell, and I thank you so much for tuning in. Our podcast is brought to you by our organization, our United Resource PAC. Guys, we are a political organization, a tax-exempt political organization. So today we are doing an update on the stimulus talks, something that has been dead and gone for quite a while. I think it's about what, two weeks at this point. Uh, But there was a talk that happened yesterday and we have an update and the update is this, there is no progress. (laughs) I mean, you could leave it there and say, okay, Brittany, I don't need to listen to the podcast because you already told me that there is no progress. Well, I do want to tell you a little bit more in addition to the fact that there is no progress. We're going to talk a little bit about um, exactly kind of what happened and where we are and why we are where we are in relation to the stimulus talks. And then also, I want to know, have you heard about um, a piece of legislation that they've been referring to as uh, an automatic stabilizer? We're going to talk about that piece of legislation because uh, for the first time on this podcast, since our kind of rebranding and and relaunch, I want to examine with you one of the pieces of legislation that we are actually focused on and and kind of talk about where we are on that piece of legislation and kind of what we want to see with it. And I I think you should know about it. Again, it's called an automatic stabilizer. So this is what I've got in store for you for this episode this Friday. I'm looking forward to it, right? (laughs) Uh, And I hope you are as well. Let's go ahead and let's jump into the show because I think it is going to be a good one. Let's talk about this update on stimulus talks and the fact that, quite frankly, there has been no progress. So, guys, what we had yesterday was we had a situation where Nancy Pelosi um, had a call, and the call was with uh, the White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. Uh, The call lasted a little under 30 minutes, approximately 25 minutes, as it's been reported and look, Nancy Pelosi came out and she said, guys, there is there's no progress being made um, on on these talks. Um, and the reason for this is because she is very uh, upfront and open about the fact that when it comes to what the Democrats are bringing to the table and what they are looking to take from that same table, they are not. The Democrats are not willing to make any concessions when it comes to two things. Uh, we've talked I asked in a previous episode, I asked, you know, well, what is her heel to die on? And it's not stimulus checks, um, but her main heel to die on is aid to cities and states. That is one of the things that she said, look, we are not making any concessions when it comes to this. She also said that she's not willing to um, move away from giving direct cash assistance, direct aid to Americans, something that, um, I don't know if I mentioned this in a previous episode when I talked about this skinny bill that the the, uh, Republicans proposed, it did not include stimulus checks. Now there is some sort of, um, uh, some people have kind of said, well, maybe it didn't include stimulus checks because they kind of want to bring it as a a separate thing. Because remember I talked about how that that, uh, proposed Five hundred billion, excuse me, five hundred billion dollar plan that the Republicans put forth, um, which was half of what they originally wanted, that one trillion dollars. The hypothesis has kind of been, well, you know, they put forth a plan for five hundred billion because the other five hundred billion they want to do on stimulus checks. 
that's a great kind of hypothesis, but you know, we don't know that that's what they wanted with certainty. But anywho, so she said those two things when it comes to aid for cities and states, and we've already in previous episodes talked about why that aid is needed, um, and and when it comes to direct payments to Americans. And uh, again, when you look at not what the Republicans originally wanted uh, in the Heals Act, that $1 trillion piece of legislation, um, what they are now proposing, which is half of that $500 million, there is no, there's nothing when it comes to aid for cities and states, uh, nor is there anything for stimulus checks, direct cash payment. Uh, and all you have to do is you just have to really listen to what is being said um, by the Republicans. You know, um, you hear them saying, you know, we don't want to bail out cities and states. And I think it's very, very clear that there is absolutely no intent to actually add that in there. And so one of the questions that was posed by Ms. Nancy Pelosi here was the question of why should there be a bill? Why should we, when she was looking to defend her um, unwillingness to, to, to move on the demands of cash for cities and states and cash for Americans, why should we be willing to accept a bill that has far less than what the public needs? And I think that's a legitimate question uh, because I think that's what it boils down to. Um, I've mentioned before and I've heard it stated before that really, um, and actually I think one of the people who said this was was Nancy Pelosi herself, um, and, and I want to make it clear, I am not, especially if you've listened to previous episodes, I am not some great um, champion of Nancy. I, I really disagree with her on a lot of stuff. And quite frankly, in the past on the issues that our organization is focused on, we actually wanted to defeat her politically. Um, you know, at this point, uh, I, I don't think that we have kind of restructured our official stand on Nancy. So I, I couldn't tell you if we are, are in support of or defeat her, her bids for reelection when that time comes around. Uh, but I know in the past, our official position was we want to defeat her, uh, mainly because we focused on one issue. But anyways, not going to get into that. But so um, I, I do think that the question that was posed here by Nancy is a legitimate question. Uh, and what what I was kind of alluding to before was something that she had stated that I had also stated, which was that it does boil down to values. Um, it also boils down to, as I stated in another episode, to what you believe. I There was an episode where I asked the question, you know, do you think that Nancy Pelosi is just some what was the word that I use? Like some some bad actor that she's some, you know, she's this villain out here. Um, and, and it all boils down to your your beliefs about Nancy. And I think the same can be said for when you look at these politicians and what they think is an appropriate response to the economic crisis the country finds itself in, it boils down to what they believe, not on some like, you know, philosophical level or not even in relation to their personal experiences, but what do they believe is actually the problem? I mean, how can, how can we all 
come to the table to discuss a problem without first agreeing what the problem is. This is what I want to know from all of these people. And I really would like if some reporter, somebody out there in, in the atmosphere, somebody across the great lands of America, I would really like it if they could point like ask these people, what do you believe is the problem? And give pushback when they come back with their, you know, because politicians are Oh, so very good at giving these answers that uh, require pushback. They are trained, highly trained and highly skilled in giving answers that really can be taken in any way you, you want to take it. You know, you can, it, it's kind of like um, <laughs> uh, my, my grandmother and my mother love um, Guy Fieri. Uh, he has the the show Guys Grocery Games, and then they love Triple D. Oh my gosh, my grandmother is addicted to Triple D. Diners, drives, and diners, drives, and something else. Um, diners, dives, and dive in and drives. There we go. But um, what some of the times I really like, for instance, I pay attention to his response. His response is like when he's eating food and trying food, because you know he goes into these establishments that people like recommend to him, and he like cooks with them and then he tries the food. And some of the times, if you really pay attention to the response that he gives to the food, like like he'll say, what, what's something he said? He's, he'll say like, um, uh, uh, oh gosh, I can't think. He'll say, he'll, he'll give some sort of a response that like, if you really look at it either um, in the context of how it's said or you consider the tone in which he says it, you really could take it to mean that he either really likes it or he really doesn't like it. Oh man, I've oh that that's that's like nothing I've ever tasted before. I mean, it could be like it's so good it's like nothing it's ever tasted before, or it's so bad he's never tasted anything like it. Um, or oh, um, that you know. The way that that hits my, t I don't know. You know, you you get the point here, and and I think the same is said for these politicians, and 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 kind of reeling it back here, I think when we ask them, or when we as a society consider the fact that we need to ask them, like, what do you believe the problem is? We really need to examine the answers that we are that we're being given, because quite frankly, I, I don't know if we can truly say the any of these politicians uh, agree on what the problem is. So if they don't agree on what the actual problem is, how can they agree on the same solution? I'm not saying that that's what's going on here, but I think that that's a very good place to start. It's kind of like when you are having a conversation with somebody and, and you're dealing with conflict resolution. I mean, this is just like real basic life, right? Uh, you, you first have to understand what is going on? You know, you have to be aware of what the problem is. How can I come in and fix the toilet if I don't think that the toilet is broken? You, you, you're saying that when it comes to the toilet, and I'm sorry for using this example, but if we look at, for instance, a broken toilet, it's like one party thinks that the problem is the fact that, um, you know, that there's something wrong with the pipes and it's not flushing for that reason. And then another party thinks, well, no, it's the actual handle and you just need to jiggle a little bit. So, you know, it's not going to cost us as much to jiggle. But do they even agree on the same problem at this point? And I think when you ask that question, there is real legitimacy given to the question posed by Nancy Pelosi, which is, why should we be willing to accept a bill 
that doesn't give enough of what we need to actually address the, address the issue. So again, what do the Republicans think is the actual issue? If they think that it's a big issue, well, you, you can't even say if they think it's a big issue, they'll be willing to give a big bill because they just may not think that it's a it's it requires a big bill. And you, we may very well be dealing with a situation where they do agree on the actual problem. And I, when I say problem, I don't think I'm not saying like, do they agree that the economy is in shambles? No. Like, what do they think is the cause for the economy being in shambles? Do they legitimately think it's COVID-19 or do they think that all Americans just suddenly got lazy? I mean, I'm not quite convinced that that is not what we're dealing with here. That specific and very, very, very um, unfortunate kind of deal here. I, I'm, I'm not convinced. I'm not saying this is the, the case, but I'm not convinced that one party thinks that we're, you know, dealing with uh, an, an economic uh, issue due to COVID-19, and then the other side saying, no, it's because all Americans, you know, they are just lazy as hell. I don't know, but so. <sighs> One of the things that, you know, is is unfortunate is that we've been in this in this space. Americans, the unemployed, uh, the economy has been in this space now for, gosh, about a month. And even a month in, a month into this mess, um, we're, we're not making any progress. Like we're, 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 we're still very, very far apart. And I think that if we are, if we, if we are still, if both of these parties are still this far apart at this point in the game, we cannot, it makes no rational sense to continue how we have been continuing. Um, if we have just, you know, said, well, you know, what? we're just going to keep coming together for stimulus shocks. No, let's actually, instead of having a stimulus, a, a talk about solutions, let's first now have a talk about a problem. What do you guys think the problem is? And don't tell me, oh, well, the problem is the economy. No, 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 no. If you think that that is the problem, what do you think is the cause for the problem? Because you can't come up with a solution if you don't understand the cause. Your solution has to speak directly to what you believe the cause to be. Maybe, hear me out, maybe the Republicans feel like the cause of all of this is not Americans not being able to work because of a pandemic, but maybe they're putting this on the, the corporations and that's why they want to give them, you know, they only want to bail them out. I, I don't know, but 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 we cannot continue how how, how we've been doing to this point. It's it's not working, you know. And, and I mean, both sides have made some sort of concessions, and I think that it is woefully dishonest to say that neither side have made concessions at all. Okay, the Democrats originally, when they proposed the Heroes Act, they wanted over. Three million over three trillion. Three million would be like nothing compared to this, right? But they wanted over three trillion dollars worth of um, economic stimulus uh, uh, to to stimulate the economy. When it came months later to what was proposed by the Republicans, they wanted to stimulate the economy with one trillion dollars. Okay, that is where both parties started. Ultimately. The Democrats came down 
with that overage of over $3 trillion and they brought it down to the $2 trillion range. And they did it in a way where did they take away, for instance, the aid to cities and states? No. Ultimately, how they decided to bring things down was kind of lessening the duration of aid that they would give. That is the way in which they actually kind of trimmed down the fact. The Republicans, when you look at what they did, they took that $1 trillion and they were willing to come up. How did they come up? And I think this is important, not just on them, but on both sides. When you look at how they made the adjustments that they did, they made the adjustments not by saying they'd be willing to add new things that they would be willing to um give aid to, to, to stimulate economically, to stimulate, stimulate the economy. They came up on their numbers by means of saying, we're just simply going to give more money. Um, we're going to increase the numbers themselves, not the duration of aid, not the, um, not the type of aid given, but we are going to simply come up instead of giving people just say $100, we're going to give people $300. So not only were they starting from two, two very different, pla different uh, places, the way that they made their concessions was very, very different. And if you look at it, both of them, when they made concessions, whether you agree with those concessions or not, they did it in a way that did not make them make those concessions in a way that jeopardized what they were ultimately going for. Republicans didn't want to, for instance, give aid to cities and states, but they made their concessions, this is an example, um, by means of saying, okay, we're going to give more money um, to the unemployed. We're going to um, increase the uh, that um, extra unemployment benefit that we're giving to people, or the, excuse me, the unemployed economic stimulus, as I'm now calling it. And then when you look on the Democrat side, they didn't say, well, you know, we're going to take out the aid because that's the aid to cities and states because that's what Republicans are demanding. No, what they did was they said, okay, instead of providing this assistance through January of, uh, this is just an example, uh, through a certain date of 2021, let's actually push this date back a little bit. And then this is how we will make our concessions. So when you look at this, if anybody on either side, Democrat or Republican says, well, you know what? The other side isn't making concessions. That is not true. Okay. Um, and I'm telling you, this is somebody that does not, I don't, well, I mean, obviously we have, a, we all have a dog in the fight, right? But I'm not arguing this from the perspective of, you know, I side with Nancy and I have allegiance to her and the Democratic Party. Even though we are a political organization, we are not affiliated with either party. Uh, and I think that that's one of the great things that allows us as an organization to really examine and be honest about what is right and who was right, who's who's right in situations. Um, and, and then I think it's unfortunate that too often uh, when we're dealing with a system that has these political parties, people, even when they know that they are wrong, even when they are um, speaking about something, they know what's wrong, but because they have allegiance, because they belong to a party, they cannot call wrong wrong. And if they do, they do it at serious risk. And that risk can have either immediate impact for them and their party or future impact for them and their party. But anywho, the whole gist of this is that Nancy has ultimately said, look, we're not making concessions um, and uh, Republicans are just going to have to come up with more money. 
but I don't think that it's just a matter of like how I mentioned that the Republicans made their concessions by literally just adding more money and how the Democrats made their concessions by kind of changing dates. I don't think that she's actually looking them for them to just actually add numbers to the numbers like they did when they made their concessions. I think what she's actually looking for because of what she believes, because of the problem she's actually trying to address due to the cause that I think it is very evident she actually believes is the reason for the need for economic stimulus. I'm telling you, She's looking for them to make their concessions in a way that is similar to how the Democrats made their concessions on the HEROES Act. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. And I think that some people look at what she's doing and they're like, look, Nancy, you know, you've got to move a little bit. Some people are are really just looking at it and, and saying that Nancy is the problem. Some people are looking at it and they're saying that the Republicans are the problem. What I will tell you is this, and I'll tell you exactly uh, what's on my mind when we come back. All right. So what's the question on my mind here? It's not so much a question. It's more of a thought. And the thought is this. It, it kind of speaks back to um, a, an episode I did uh, not too long ago that really looked at, at the beliefs that we hold and kind of how it influences um, our perception of things, especially politically, right? And I'm really curious, and I want you to be curious about what it is you think is the problem here and who you think is the problem here. Do you think that Nancy is being too demanding? Do you think that the Republicans aren't being demanding enough and they need to stand as firm as Nancy? And then when you ask yourself that, I want you to examine what is, in your opinion, the cause for this issue. And I think when you examine what you believe to be the cause of this issue, um, for instance, do you believe that Nancy is demanding aid for cities and states because they were just poorly run? Or do you think that she's demanding aid for city and states because they have been ravaged by multiple factors due to COVID-19? Uh, what, what do you think? Do you think that, you know, if they had been better managed, and, and here's the deal, even if, for instance, you do believe that it's a management issue and she's just trying to bail her people out, you then still have to ask yourself, one, have they been impacted at all by COVID-19 or do you think there's been no impact? Or do you think that this is the perfect opportunity to hold them accountable and kind of make them, you know, kind of just kind of stick it to them? For, for not really managing, you know, their, their states for so long, especially if they've been in office for a gazillion years. At the end of the day, uh, Congress is, uh, they're on recess. I mean, <laughs> they're constantly in recess, right? Um, quite frankly, if they were a child, 
and they were in elementary school, they'd never be in class. They'd always be in recess. <laughs> but they're in recess until uh, until Labor Day. And, you know, we've heard it stated in the media that, you know, well, if, if there's something to come back and vote on but, and we're ready to actually take a vote, not just have discussions, you know, we're going to call people back and they will be back here immediately. Um, guys, chances of that happening, slim to none. I'm not going to tell you it can't happen because anything is possible, but the likelihood, you know, you have things that are possible. It's absolutely possible. But then we have reality, which is probability, possibility versus probability. It is highly improbable for a multitude of factors or a multitude of reasons, excuse me, uh, that it's that that they will actually come back before Labor Day. So I want you to condition your mind that, you know, until Labor Day, which isn't too far away, uh, until Labor Day, you're not really going to have any true update. Even if they do have talks, chances are it will continue to be just talks. If they have been willing to hold out for a month, on this and make no progress? If anything, if anything, some people have said, and, and I'll kind of in here because I've taken far too long in this segment, um, far longer than I originally wanted to. If anything, one of the things that we have heard is that, you know, uh, well, the as we get closer to the election, it's, it's even more likely that we will have a deal made. Quite frankly, I don't see it that way. As we get closer to the election, both parties become more and more, not just emboldened, but incentivized to maintain their positions. Concessions, in Britney's opinion, which is all I can give on this podcast, right? Concessions, in Britney's opinion, were more likely earlier on. I could get into that, but that would cause this segment to be another 20 minutes, and I'm not going to do that to you. So just keep it in mind, Congress is out playing on the playground until after Labor Day. Then when they come back, there's not even a guarantee that they are going to sit down at that desk and do their work. They just may run around the classroom like children who have absolutely lost their minds. Hey, guys. This is Brittany. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Our Pack Politics Podcast. Before we continue this episode, I just wanted to jump in and remind you to make sure that you are connected with us on Facebook. On our Facebook page, you'll find content, you'll find uh, promotions of events that we have coming up, and uh, it's just another opportunity to connect with us outside of this podcast. Now, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, I'm sorry, you can't, we got it. But again, you can find us on Facebook and you can find the link to do so in the description box of this episode. Okay, so let's talk legislation. We are a political organization, right? Um, before I kind of talk about the legislation, I, I just want to make it clear uh, that we look at legislation because, as an organization, because legislation is ultimately 
how politics impacts people, right? Uh, and so one of the things that, that we look to do is we look to examine politicians based on the legislation that they either bring forth and propose or that they support or choose not to support. Um, so that said, one of the pieces of legislation that um, we are focused on as an organization is Senate Bill 4361, or uh, as it's written in reference to S4361. Um, this piece of legislation has been referenced by several people, and it's been referenced in a way that it's called an automatic stabilizer. It's a piece of legislation that our organization actually supports, meaning that we want to see it passed, meaning that we support the politician who actually proposed it, uh, meaning that we think that it's good for not just the country as a whole, but we think it's good for communities, we think it's good for families, and ultimately we think it's good for individual Americans. Um, you know, uh, this is not the time that I'm going to kind of run down the bill. Um, I don't think we have it up on our website yet, but uh, we will have um, on our website um, in the policy section, we will reference this piece of legislation and kind of run down what we like about it, why we take the stand on it, we do, and kind of keep you um, aware of what's going on with it, if anything further does happen on it. Um, and so I do encourage you, not in this moment, because I can guarantee you it's not up today, uh, but uh, you know, sometime soon, check out our website so that way you can um, actually look at our position and why we take the position we do on this piece of legislation. So uh, again, I'm not taking this segment to kind of explain why we think what we think about it, but I, I do want to make a few different pieces, excuse me, a few different points here on this legislation. And it's the fact that this legislation should be a model in a lot of ways for other proposals related to the economic recovery for America due to everything that has happened because of COVID-19 um, from an economic perspective. Um, and the reason that I say this is because uh, of, of how it's been referenced. Again, it's been called an, uh, an automatic stabilizer. What in the heck does that mean? What that means is that the, the legislation automatically and continually provides individuals and the country with enhanced stimulus, specifically and namely enhanced emergency unemployment benefits. And it does so not in a way that we've already seen. For instance, under the CARES Act, we saw that it was good until July 31st. And then once July 31st came around, we've been sitting here uh, to, to date, to, uh, to August 28th, um, twiddling our thumbs, wondering if the unemployed in this country are going to be stimulated yet again in a manner that... Um, keeps our country from feeling more economic damage than needs to be done. Uh, but this piece of legislation, this proposed legislation, what it would do was, is it would make the, the occurrence of that, uh, those unemployment benefits automatic. 
So the, the Congress would not need to come to the table at a predetermined date and say, okay, let's talk about this again. Let's kind of, um, let, let's kind of, you know, see if we can make this happen again. This legislation essentially would say, look, until this health emergency is over, we are going to provide aid until it's over. We're not going to keep coming back to the table over and over and over and over. Now, one thing I will say, <laughs> and I am very honest about, is the fact that um, as an organization, we don't think that this legislation, despite the fact that we support it, we don't think that it's going to pass. We've done a legislative analysis on this, and it is unlikely, not just uh, an, uh, based on an analysis done by us, but when you look at other organizations, they also um, have stated that they don't think that this is going to pass. Now, I will tell you why we don't think it's going to pass. Um, there are a myriad of reasons, but the main reason is that in its current form, it takes away political power. I mentioned in the last segment, I mentioned how as we get closer to the election, I think it's highly unlikely that we're going to see compromise. Um, it's not necessarily because of political power, because they have any power in doing it. It's because it's a demonstration of their power and they have to demonstrate power as they get closer to an election because they need to show themselves as powerful enough to kind of win re-election, that their party is powerful enough to kind of be in control. But when you have situations like we do now, where people have to come to the table to constantly renegotiate, you know, oh, is this going to happen? Oh, is this going to happen? Um, they then can come to the, the table and either put tack on the pork, as they call it, as some would say Nancy has done, and I would absolutely agree. Um, she has tacked on things that, um, to the HEROES Act, that quite frankly, don't don't have to be in there. They, they aren't necessarily necessary. Um, but I mean, when you look at kind of the lesser of two evils, you know, uh, when, when we consider, well, what do we want to happen? If we want economic stimulus, are we likely to get it from the HEALS Act? Or are we likely to get, not just get that stimulus, but get adequate stimulus? Are we likely to get it from the HEALS Act or the HEROES Act? And even if I don't agree with the HEROES Act, I do believe that that is more likely to give us sufficient effective and efficient uh, economic stimulus as compared to the Hills Act. But anyhow, um, bringing it back to this Senate bill here, this automatic stabilizer, ultimately what it does is it says, look, until we get to um, until we get to a position where the the numbers, the data, the hard, the hardcore facts, the things that don't lie, the numbers, until those numbers get to pre-crisis levels, namely the unemployment numbers, look, this piece of legislation, we're proposing that it just continually provide assistance. Again, it takes away political power from both parties. Um, so you do have to question if if a politician was willing to propose this, knowing it would take away his negotiating power, you know, his ability to kind of either to, to kind of tack on other things that aren't related to this and kind of get 
take advantage of the situation and get things done that, again, aren't related to COVID-19. Uh, if, if, if he or she was willing to, and let me not say he or she, let me tell you exactly who proposed this legislation. This legislation was uh, proposed by, let me look at my system here because I don't have it offhand, by Jack Reed. So if Jack Reed was willing to say, look, I put in this up on the table and I know that our party has, in fact, um, used this opportunity to um, bring other things on the table, but I'm still willing to put it put it on the table. That actually shows you a lot about Mr. Reed here. Um, now, uh, does it mean that he's some perfect saint? Absolutely not. But it does mean, at least to me, and I consider, or excuse me, I, and and I pose to you that it that you should question if it means to you, or, or if it could mean to you that he is willing to put the needs of Americans, the, the, the stimulating of this economy before his own political aspirations, something we should be expecting of all politicians. They work for us anyway. Um, but this legislation takes away power. And in taking that power away, I, I, I really believe wholeheartedly that it is truly, especially because of the fact that, that they're, they're, they're not, look, when you look at what's going on now and you look at the fact that there is, that you, you have this power struggle going on. And I just talked about it in the last segment about like, what do you believe is even the cause? We even have people coming and bringing their own facts, figures, and numbers to the conversation. This piece of legislation says, look, we need to get back to pre-crisis levels and those pre-crisis levels have already been determined. So like everything is put out on the table and we're, we're not likely to see the contention that we are dealing with now. It's not just good for the, the economy, it's good for our political system. I'm not saying that we should expect a political system where we don't have differences and we don't ex express those differences. That's what politics is about. And I'd be a fool to, to, to suggest anything otherwise. However, when we are dealing with the greatest economic crisis that this country has faced since the Great Depression, we, we can't go on how we've been going along because we see that it's not getting us anywhere. And I'm not saying that, that this that this piece of legislation 4361 is perfect, but it does have some elements of what I would deem to be perfection. Now, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of this bill, like the fact that it does uh, call for the continuation of the $600 emergency uh, unemployment benefit, something that we know that the uh, Republicans adamantly oppose. Again, if you want to know the specifics of this bill, look forward to on our website, us putting forth the information, not just more on the policy, but more on why we take the position we do on the policy. Look for that in the future, in the near future. But I will close with this. I think it's evident for many reasons that we do need automatic stabilizers when it comes to responding 
to the damage that has been done by coronavirus and in our recovery efforts. We have to do this so that way we can ensure that not just during this pandemic, not just while we are actively in this moment of crisis, actively in this moment of uncertainty, but we can we can guarantee even after the fact, because the recovery is going to happen not just in this moment, in this moment, we are preparing for a recovery. The actual recovery doesn't happen until this crisis is over. But when we are in that phase, because we, we were always talking about phases, right? Phase one, phase two, phase three, that stuff. That stuff confused me beyond. I never knew. I woke up in the morning and I was like, what phase is it? What phase is it? Phase, you know, I didn't know it, at 12 noon by two o'clock would I be in a different phase? I didn't know. But anywho, I, I think that when we get to the, the actual phase of recovery, um, we are still, it's kind of like, I hate to use this example, but if you're being beat, if you're walking down the street, phase one is you're walking around enjoying your life, okay? <laughs> phase two is you get mugged and you get robbed. That's phase two. We're still getting mugged and we're still getting robbed. Phase three happens when some bystander comes by and calls the ambulance to come pick us up. We haven't yet had the ambulance call. We're still getting mugged and robbed. Maybe we're near the end of the beating, but we are still getting mugged and robbed as a country. The recovery does not happen until the bystander call, calls for help. We haven't had the bystander, who in this case should be the politician. We, should, we have not had the bystander call for help. We are still getting beat. Only at the point when we know that we have stability only at the point when we know we actually have assistance, only at that point does the recovery begin. But that's just the beginning of the recovery. The actual recovery happens when we get to the hospital, well, actually before the hospital, in the ambulance. We haven't, we're still getting mugged and robbed. We need automatic stabilizers. Anywho, I'm going to leave it. This episode has been long enough. Give us the automatic stabilizers. Somebody, please, anybody, please just give it. Hey, hey you, have you checked out our website yet? You can find a link to it in the description box of this episode. Over on our website, you can learn more about who we are, what we do, the issue of COVID-19 economic stimulus and relief, where we stand on the issue, what we want to see. You can learn more about the policies that we support and oppose that are connected to the issue. You can even check out our latest blog posts. You'll also be able to contact us if you wish. Check it out. Alright guys, so that is our Friday show for today, August 28th, our last Friday show of the month, mind you. Uh, I just want you to take away, if you just happen to skip to the end of this podcast episode for today, take away the fact that there has been no update on stimulus talks. There was a 25 minute attempt made yesterday that went absolutely nowhere. And I hope that you also walked away uh, kind of either uh, getting introduced to for the first time the automatic stabilizers uh, piece of legislation uh, or uh, if you have heard of uh, Senate Bill 4361 uh, I hope that maybe if you maybe just kind of heard about it before you kind of 
have a little bit better understanding of, of kind of what it actually is seeking to do, even though I know I've left out a whole lot of details about it. I didn't want to kind of bombard you with that. I just really wanted to kind of talk about more the need for automatic stabilization as opposed to the specifics of a specific bill that had to do with automatic stabilization. Maybe we'll cover that in another show, but I do know at the very least, even if I don't cover that, you can find that at a later date, not right this moment, but at a later date in the policies section of our website, which you can find in the description box below this episode. So I hope you have a great weekend. I know you will have a great weekend because you've got to end your week listening to me, right? Uh, I will be back Monday uh, and Monday we will have yet another chat. Monday will be our last show for the month as it will be the 31st of this month. But that said, have a great weekend. Stay safe. Make sure that you have your masks, your gloves, and maybe even a hazmat suit um, because it's it's crazy out there. But we will get through this. We are Americans. We are tough. And uh, we are all about overcoming adversity, right? We've done it before and we can absolutely do it again. So thank you so much for tuning in. You've been listening to our Pack Politics podcast. My name is Brittany McDowell. I don't know your name, but I am so glad that you listened to me today. And I hope you'll be back Monday. Enjoy your weekend. And I will too. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>